welcome to Happy Hour, a work, culture, and lifestyle show. We're your hosts. I'm Brittany Bowering. And I'm Penny Blackmore. If you like our show, please rate, review, and subscribe. I feel like a radio host. Um, and, uh, you know, tell a friend or whatever. Um, that would be nice. Maybe like tell a friend. I, I think, so we, we got some super nice messages in the last week from people saying like, you know, oh, it's so nice listening to your podcast because it feels like, you know, I'm just like listening to a couple of friends. So it's like, maybe send this podcast to a friend who you think, you know, is lonely. Is a little lonely. Maybe could use a bud, right? Aren't we all yeah. a little lonely right now? Maybe that's just me. If you've got anyone in your life that's a little depressed, alienated, and isolated, <laughs> then we're for them. We're the podcast for them. Now, if It'll you're be listening, their fake friends. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast thinking, my friend recommended this podcast to me. <laughs> that is what they why they did that, because uh, they think you're alienated and feeling a bit yeah. alone. Which they is, look down upon you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a nice thing for them to do, you know? Let's hmm. think about it that way. Anyway, okay, how are you, great. Penny? Uh, well, as uh, as Berliners know, we had uh, two hot days on Sunday and Monday, so I am still psychologically recovering from that high. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Tuesday was super nice too. Oh, that's true. But I didn't take the day off. I was just scrambling mm. to get all my work done because yeah. I took Monday off. And then today is a public holiday, which is a Thursday. So it's like a, a three-day week. So basically the other days have just been like, Crazy. trying to get everything done. Same thing. I mean, same thing on my end. It's crazy. Like I find uh, Germany so funny. There's like, it's like, there's never any public holidays. And then in May, they're like, every day is a public holiday. You know, it's just so funny. Yeah. I wish they'd spread them out a little more. Me too. Yeah. But as a freelancer, you can kind of pick your public holidays a little. Well, that's exactly right. (laughs) I've got a little note in my opening talking points that's like Amazon order, but I have Absolutely no idea what that's about. <laughs> so how are you, Britt? <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I love that. So I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. I had a like you, I had a very similar week, kind of a hectic week. Also doing a couple of kind of um like I did a, a little kind of workshop, like a, a couple of events this week. So there's a little bit more, but I feel like I actually I'm really loving um I've kind of set up my whole event talk workshop thing where it's like, if someone's like, hey, do you want to talk at this thing? I'm like, I've got two talks. I talk yeah. about this or I talk about that. Which one do you want? You know, but, mm-hmm. and that, and I have the like, the, you know, the, um, the slides all set up. So it's actually, and I've done it before. So it's actually a really like nice. Easy. Yeah. Easy. And nice. Yeah. And it's like, why make it difficult for yourself? You know? So Darn I'm tootin'. feeling good about that. Kind of finally got that set up and rolling, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So I'm Love feeling, that. feeling good. Um, what else? I've got a little, uh, a, tr- a, a trip, a Germany, uh, I'm, ba- I'm, I'm, uh, Fulda bound. So in Germany is a tiny little, it's not a tiny little town, actually. It's just a, it's a small city. Um, Fulda. but yeah, Fulda. And I'm going there this weekend to visit the, uh, the boyfriend's parents. So that'll be nice. Lovely. Yeah. Getting out of Dodge, you know? <laughs> so my what dad always that says, that my dad always says that. Getting out of Dodge. We're okay. getting out of Dodge. I don't know. I've heard I, that in movies, but I've never been really familiar what, with what Dodge is. So I think that what it means is that you're like, if someone was looking for you, 
Oh. You would then get out of Dodge so they couldn't find you kind of thing. Surely you would just say, I'm dodging them. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think so, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. There's so many weird little things that I now say more and more the older I get that I'm like, oh, that's my dad says that or my mom yeah. says that all the time. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> I was on, uh, I was chatting with a couple of friends in a group chat yesterday and one of them was like, what does uh, on fleek mean? And oh. we were like looking it up for him and we were like, wow, we, and and I, I phrased it in a way like it means like on point or very good. And I'm like, oh, I'm old. I yeah. am so old. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. This that's is it. A, it's that's happened. a good indicator. Yeah. Because I mean, on fleek. Yeah. It's like such a hilarious, what's, I mean, the kids got all kinds of uh, fun ones going on these days, you know? Do they ever? I mean, yeah, I looked on Twitter once and I was like, I just think this might be another language. I know. <laughs> well, that just can't be English. Oh my yeah. gosh. We're, yeah, this is what happens. We're getting over so for us, Britt. We might I'm as well right talk it. about our podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Work. Penny. Why don't you kick kick us off? What's <laughs> um, going on okay. work wise for you? Because this sure. was actually we're going to talk about something that was uh, you know y- your your idea. It came so, up. It, it came, came up. up. Mm-hmm. So uh, after our base camp episode, we got I think we both got a lot of interesting questions from like clients and friends and people in our network about the difficulty of creating boundaries as a boss when you have staff. So um, yeah. Because I think that was one of the things that kind of came out of the base camp episode was that like there's a lot of boundaries that are being crossed by accident. Mm -hmm. Um, And these days when like so much of your personal self and your authentic self is expected to be brought to work, um, it can be really hard to figure out exactly where work ends and where personal life begins. So Britt and I thought we'd make some rules because rules are fun. (laughs) I love a good rule. Me too. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So do you want to let us know what you think, um, how to, if you had a, if, I don't know, like what's the phrasing of the question here, Britt? If you were a boss or if you're a staff member, what kind of boundaries would you expect your boss to make or? Yeah, I guess I, I was, I took it more in a, quite personal direction about like my own personal work boundaries. Mm-hmm. But um, like if we're talking about more uh, like a manager or a boss, um, I think that there are, there for me, there's like the simple sort of work boundaries. So there's like the, like, and I've been in this situation before, obviously, there's like the work hours. That's like the, I think that's like the basic um, boundaries that you need to have as an employee and boss or manager or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like anytime that I start getting messages outside of work hours, I know that like boundaries have been crossed. And mm-hmm. I don't, and I know that a lot, a lot, a lot of people message outside of work hours. Um, and, and you know, they'll be like, they'll post something on Slack and they're like, I don't expect anybody to to look. That was, that is my pet peeve when That's my like, pet a peeve boss, as well. right, posts something on Slack at 8 p.m. and then says, I don't expect anybody to look at this, but blah, 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 you know. And then, and then the person that's like sucking up writes back. Exactly. And, and then so you look like, like an idiot. You fucked it for everyone. Exactly. <laughs> and then a couple people respond. And then if you don't respond, it's like, oh, you didn't care enough to, to take a look at Slack at 
you know, 8 p.m. on a Monday. Like, fuck mm. that. So anyway, yeah. so I, that is one of my pet peeves. So I don't want to work anywhere where there's not a very clear cut understanding of work hours. And I'm not saying that you can never message outside because sometimes, obviously, there are, you know, uh, outlaw, outliers where, mm. you know, you need to message someone or whatever. But I think that it's so important that communication is kept into a certain time frame. Agree. That's kind of my first one. I, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think the the reason that we try and uh, create boundaries between work hours and personal life is just because like, if you don't want to burn your staff out and feel, let them feel sort of quite harassed <laughs> in a way, then you've yeah. got to keep out of their, their personal time. And yeah. I think, um, a lot of bosses are like, well, you're on my clock between 9am and 5pm. And it's like, cool. Well, then when I'm not on your clock, I will be living my own life and not replying to Slack messages. Thanks. Totally. And that's the thing is like, I mean, I find it so irritating because I think like a lot of, even a lot of people that I've worked with and some who I currently work with are very much like, they have no office hours. They're yes. always working, you yeah. know? And so it's That's like, a very entrepreneurial thing to be like, exactly. I just work every day of the week all the time. Yeah. And it's very exhausting for an employee to try to keep up with that um, because, yeah, it's like, you know, there's a lot of pressure there when you're when you're constantly on and, and you're very, like, obvious about it. It's different if you're just, like, you know, off doing your own thing in the evening as an entrepreneur learning or whatever, and then you're sharing that back the next day mm. when it's friggin' work time. Like, I just, mm. I, you, you just can't put that kind of pressure. Like, I, you know, I've worked with clients in the past where the people who work with them are just so torn up and so anxious all the time. And so, you know, and they'll, they'll say like, oh, you know, I'll say, well, let's, you know, uh, let's wait until he's finished his vacation and then we'll talk to him about this. And they're like, oh, well, he's like, He's on vacation, but he's not really on vacation. Yeah, you know I mean, what I mean? Like he's he's all over Slack or whatever right now. So, mm. you know, and I'm just like, that's really too bad because it puts a really bad precedent for, it Agree. sets a bad precedent for everybody else. I had a boss uh, in the past who would basically work all weekend because he was super passionate about his own business, of course. <laughs> the, the, and, and this is the thing. No, your employees will never be as passionate about your business that's making you millions of dollars mm -hmm. as you are, especially mm -hmm. if they're getting underpaid. <laughs> Hot take. Um, so, <laughs> so he would just like continually, he would just continually brain dump, like mile yeah. a minute, Slack messages. Every article he read had to be posted with an accompanying idea. And for me, that actually meant that he was unable to prioritize between actual good strategic ideas and just the rest of the garbage that was flooding through his mind. Um, and he thought that everything was equally important. So it's not. Yeah. Newsflash, it's not. Not every article you read needs to be shared um, mm -hmm. and not every idea you read, uh, you have needs to be shared. Um what I do um, with my clients is if I have an idea on the weekend, I put it in an Apple note. I'm like, talk to XX client about this topic on Monday. Yeah. And then when yeah. I come back to it on Monday, I'm like, actually, I don't need to do that. Or yes, that's super important. Yeah, so totally. Practice self-control. And that brings me into my first point. You can easily create boundaries while you're also, if you're a manager, while also being like, caring and thoughtful and respectful of your staff. This is called self-control and self-awareness. 
Mm-hmm. So like a lot of managers are very tied up in giving their staff feedback when they're never getting any themselves. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's super important to make sure that you're being self-aware and controlling your own emotions and mm-hmm. actions, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So what about if, if um, what about like topics at work or like, you know, things that you should talk about or things that you shouldn't talk about at work? Um, do you think that there should be really solid boundaries around that? Um, or what's your feeling? Yes. Yes, I do. So um, basically, I think that I've, I've kind of tried to think about this in a really broad way because I realize it varies to, from workplace to workplace and hard sets of rules don't work for everyone. Um, but the way that I've tried to put it into some simple um, outlines or guidelines is number one, if you're sharing feelings about being a boss with your employees, so that might be frustration or exhaustion or sadness or anger, and putting any pressure on them to resolve this for you, that's a breach of boundaries in my eyes. If mm-hmm. you're owning the company, if you're a manager, then you need to, you've stepped up to the task and you're getting rewarded accordingly, either financially or with status. So that's your job now to deal with those things, I'm afraid. You don't get to dump that on your staff because it's just not fair. So true. I mean, I think that we all have this like innate, um, I don't think this, we all have, It is. I think it's a fact that everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to have, you know, uh, well, everybody just wants to be liked in general most of the time. Mm-hmm. So I found this with like, with managers, it can be a real problem because they want to have, of course you want to have, a relationship, a friendship, a more personal connection with your employees. And I think those that can really blur the lines very quickly because if you're starting to then um, divulge, like you said, kind of talking about the frustrations you're having as a manager and you are their manager, mm. then it's really, it's just inappropriate. Yeah. You know, it's not okay. And yeah. it's, you know, so you can be friendly. You can have a really great rapport with someone who you are if you're their manager, but it's really dangerous to start um, kind of bringing them into your like almost like inner thoughts and inner circle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I mean, a lot can happen there if you do that, right? What about the fact of like, at some point you might have to reprimand them and then there's like this, you know, they felt like they were on the inside and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, having mm. to, I don't know, reprimand, but whatever the right yeah. word is to use. But. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um and I think that basically if you don't know, so one, one of the examples that I would give of this is the idea that um, I've had many, many managers talk to me about other employees in the past and say, yes. I'm really not happy with this person. I don't think they're very smart. Um, <laughs> they're not performing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, obviously now you're asking me to perform a role above my station, which of course I'm delighted to do, except for the fact that um, I know you're not going to ever promote me to that role um, because I'm a woman. (laughs) But uh, like now I'm going to have to give you advice when in in reality, it's actually your job to go online and figure out what to do about that staff member or maybe hire uh, an executive coach or maybe ask someone who's a manager at another company, what do I do about a person that's not performing and I don't think they're smart? So it also doesn't reflect well on the 
on the boss at all when they're actually sort of judging the um, aptitude of a, a one of your peers. I think also something worth considering kind of to to talk about is kind of the way that you talk to people. So it's like not only like topics and, you know, like what's appropriate to say and what's not appropriate, but also just like the way that you speak to someone as a manager. I think you need to have some some boundaries there. Mm-hmm. I think there are certain things that are off limits. Obviously, like, um, you know, inappropriate jokes, <laughs> that mm. kind of thing. Although, like, I love an inappropriate joke, yeah. let's be honest, right? But I'm like, but but I understand that if you are in a more senior role, I'm sorry, but you can't do that with uh, people who are who you're managing, you know, yeah. because it's it also just undermines setting. you as a manager, makes you totally. like a fourteen year old boy. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. Um, so I think that's worth uh, talking about as well. Like, I want my manager to speak uh, in a. In, I, I do want my manager to speak in a certain way. Like, I want mm. them to be kind, compassionate. I want them to be like direct and whatever. And I, yeah, I find this. Um, this to be an interesting one because I think that, you know, everybody has their own personality. So everybody, the way that they communicate is a little bit different, but there are certain things like, you know, I think a manager shouldn't be cursing all of the time or, you know, there needs to be a certain kind of, uh, um, there needs to be a responsibility to be professional, um, you know, and I think that's really important to establish. Yeah, because it also establishes the standard for the rest of the staff. So if you're exactly. walking around making dick jokes and swearing, then that's what your staff are going to do, guaranteed. Um, and I I've, mean, yeah, we've both experienced <laughs> we've that. We've both experienced that. And I think for very young staff members, it can be extremely confusing and considered yes. extremely bad precedent. Yes. Um, I know I'm sounding really official here, but I think it's so serious. And the reason that I think this is serious is actually, um, and something that I should bring up, is if as a manager, your response to any of what we're saying is that, oh, well, the staff member can just ignore me or say no or opt out, then that's a huge problem. Because you, as a boss, you have the power and the staff member doesn't know if saying no or not responding to a message or something is going to cost them preferential treatment Mm -hmm. or a promotion or Mm -hmm. an opportunity or even your goodwill. So, like, keep in mind that as a staff member, you're trying to curry favor with your boss. You're trying to be the favorite. That feels really good for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, We want the validation from your boss saying, oh, yeah, you're you're great. You're doing great. You, you know, like things are going great with you. So if you feel like um, you have to respond to a benign Slack message on the weekend in order to continue that goodwill from your boss, then that means that the boss is abusing their power and their, and totally. their privilege in that situation. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I also think like some simple tech things, like for example, I'm, I know this is like maybe a little pedantic, <coughs> but I think if you're using emojis outside of like smiley faces or lightning bolts <laughs> or the prayer hand emoji or like the upwards hand emoji, like mm-hmm. any kind of love heart, I'm sorry, Oh, no yeah. love hearts. I, no love no hearts. No love hearts. It's not appropriate. Totally. Um, yeah. And also, like, I think another thing is, like, personal phones. So what I think that the crucial thing to do is, like, 
you, people, there will be a point in your career where you have to text an employee or a boss or a team member on their personal phone, and that's absolutely fine. But that needs to be established at the start. So it's like, if the, what is an emergency here? Is the emergency mm. that ten minutes before a really important pitch, if you haven't sent through a file, then I can text you on your phone, right? If it's your day off, yeah, or. Um, if the emergency is like there's a fire at the office, then yes, definitely text on the personal phone. But an emergency isn't, um, you know, an 8 p.m. message saying you better perform tomorrow at the pitch, you know, like yeah. that sort of thing. So you have to I be think the- that's great. Yeah, sorry. Oh, go sorry. On. Go on, Britt. I was, I was just going to say I think that's a really great point is like these things just need to be established. And mm. so, I mean, maybe even I, w- I would say that you have – but you can, by all means, as an employee, go in with that, you know, have have that discussion with your manager and say, can, I would really love to have an understanding between the two of us of, you know, when it's okay to reach out like non-off, in non-office times or in office hour times, as well as on personal devices. Um, mm. and, and you can even approach it where it's like, you know, you can kind of, um, if you feel uncomfortable about it, because of course it might be a bit uncomfortable bringing something like that up, but you can talk about it almost as if it's your, you know what I mean? Like you want to know when it's okay and appropriate to to reach out to them. And then you'll just have this whole thing in writing, Um, Mm. (laughs) not in writing, but you'll have this understanding and you'll both be on the same page, which is really great. As long as they don't say, oh, good, well, I'm available literally any time, day or night because I'm a workaholic, which happens (laughs) all the time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, I think also as a um, the the other way you can approach this is just I mean as a freelancer, I have obviously clients that have my phone number, um, and the best way to approach it is like just if there's a work question, respond to it on Slack. Like take it to Slack, yeah. even if they message you on WhatsApp, take it to Slack, um, yeah. and just so that they know that all the work communication should happen on Slack. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Anything else to wrap this boundaries talk up? What a fun I've got some, topic. I've got some fun <laughs> topics coming at us. Oh, but good. I think it's an important, an important topic. Yeah, absolutely. Culture. Would you like to go first, Britt? Yeah, sure. Because we I'd are cultured to. individuals. Well, I'm about <laughs> to prove to you how cultured I am with my topic Oh, choice. shit. I'm talking about... And this is like, I know this is old news, so everyone's going to be like, Britney, seriously. But uh, the Britney Spears documentary. Ooh. Uh, I thought I would just share some thoughts on it because I actually think that more people should maybe watch this, uh, this <laughs> more documentary. More people need to be aware of the plight of Britney. Honestly, it was, so this documentary, it's, uh, it was called, it's called Framing Britney Spears. It's That's on right. yeah. Netflix. Um <laughs> This was like really eye-opening for me. I mean, what was what I found fascinating about it, um, and I think a lot of our listeners can, uh, you know, are on are in the same boat. Is I grew up with Britney Spears. Like she was really, like very. It was like I remember exactly. 
Oh, like, baby, one more baby time. Baby, one more time coming out. I remember the whole thing. Mm. And I mean, I also liked her, you know, as a, I mean, God, how old was I? I mean, it was She's like a little bit older than me. Everyone saw the music video and they were like, excuse me, I need to go and buy a little um, schoolgirl skirt and some knee high socks and some pom pom hair ties. For I'll sure. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. BRB. <laughs> yeah, gotta get stocked. Um, so I I found this really interesting. And I I also remember all of the flack she got from the press and the mm. journalists and the obviously the paparazzi and stuff. And I also remember all of the the like the narrative, you know, oh, she's gone crazy, she shaved her head, she's like gone insane, mm. oh blah blah blah. You know, and it was like she was the punchline for so long. Um, and I never really like, I think back then, I think we're getting a really interesting, right now in pop culture, it's really an interesting time because I think everyone's much more aware, probably thanks to social media, that their favorite stars, their favorite actors, their favorite pop singers, whatever, are actually just people. They're like real, (laughs) real humans, you know, who have feelings and who struggle and, you know, and who are under a lot of flipping pressure, you know? And so um, this documentary kind of, like, I didn't know. Of course, I was also a kid when all this was happening. I mean, more or less. I think I was probably around 10 or 11 or mm. something when she came up. So, um, but, you know, I didn't realize, like, you didn't really think about it back then. And I think even as adults back then, you didn't think about it so much because, you know, celebrities were so outside mm. and so far away from your reality. Yeah. Whereas now they're much more readily available, right? Mm. Like, you can, we can actually see them in their element all the time. Yeah. Like, like we've zoo. also seen them all. Like, I think the, I think the turning point also was that like all of these stars in our teens were kind of having their upward trajectory. Mm-hmm. And then we've seen them all have flipping meltdowns and like get caught yeah. with hookers and shave their heads and become drug yeah. addicts and so on, which just yeah. makes you realize, oh my God, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Britney Spears and now you couldn't pay me to be Britney Spears, you know? No way, no way. And this documentary was so, it was just really eye-opening. Um, just, I guess, because you were seeing it all at once. Mm. Whereas, you know, back then it was like, you know, of course this was happening over the over 10 years or whatever it was. Um, but this was like, it was all just so uh, condensed that you really like, honestly, at the end like my boyfriend was kind of laughing at me because I was like, what can we do for Britney Spears? (laughs) Like, how can we help her? I mean, I, it was just, I mean, and I was kind of joking and maybe that is not very nice, not a very nice joke, but I really felt bad for her watching this whole thing. okay. Don't worry, loads of people are on the case. (laughs) I know, I know. I don't need to join the movement, um, the free Britney movement. And there was a little bit about that actually, but most of the documentary was really about how horrible um, people were to her her whole mm. career, you know, and she and and also I really I I kind of forgot how talented she actually you know is or was or yeah. whatever, um, and that was also really cool to see. So I just had a lot more respect for the bullshit that she went through, and I would recommend watching it if you're at all like if you were if you were in our age group and you kind of saw that go down. It's kind of an interesting documentary. Yeah, it's super interesting. Something that didn't occur to me till recently, I would say in the past five years, is that this concept of like the star quality is Mm -hmm. so rare. It is Mm -hmm. so, so rare that we, Mm -hmm. because we see like Britney, Christina, Justin, all these stars coming out, we're like, oh, there must be stars just everywhere, but there just aren't. And like, it's, 
It's really interesting as well because um, Madonna did an interview at one point and she was like, obviously she was this extremely motivated young woman from Queens or something in New York Um, and she went out there and she was just like throwing everything into these quite controversial and quite sexual performances and the way people talked about her as well, they were like, you know, she's a whore and she's a slut and all this stuff and it's like... Oh, you know, like nowadays Madonna is like slightly embarrassing, let's admit it, but she's also a complete legend and she was a complete trailblazer. Um, I mean, yeah, I feel bad for Britney because like this, there was this one thing that I read about um, Rolling Stone doing a photo shoot in her childhood bedroom. There was like teddy bears everywhere and it just looked very much like a little girl's bedroom. And they were like, just pull your top down a little bit. Just let's see a little bit more midriff. Just like close yeah. your eyes a little. So that it was like this extremely sexy, sexual, yeah. highly sexualized shoot in her bedroom. And yeah. do you remember how it was like um, her whole thing was being a virgin? Yeah. Which was just so, I mean, so poor sad. girl. I mean, she definitely wasn't like, hey, guys, how about I market myself as a hypersexualized 16-year-old, but then I'll also tell everyone I'm a freaking virgin. So weird and gross. It's so like, gross. Yeah, it's like that. they talk a lot about that. And, of course, like the whole, uh, you know, the Justin Timberlake thing where, you know, he was like, yeah. You know, he like told this radio host, the radio host outwardly asked him if he had, sex with Britney Spears, mm. which is just a disgusting and? question. Oh. And and Justin was like, well, his his response was something like this. He was like, he was like, oh, I can't talk about that. And the guy was like, come on. And then and then he was like, and then Justin was like, yeah, I did. And then he's like, I'm just kidding uh, or whatever. But basically he said, yes, I did have uh. sex with Britney Spears. Um, he actually recently, when the documentary was released, Justin Timberlake, who I actually... I do like. I think he's all right. I'm a fan of him. Mm -hmm. Um, He came out and like with this really big apology and was like, I'm so sorry for that. And and the things I've done in the past that were inappropriate. Mm. You know, all this stuff. I mean, he was just a kid too. Let's let's be honest. And he was one of these Mickey Mouse kids as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't don't think it's okay for the radio. The radio host is to blame there, honestly. Exactly. And like, it's so disgusting that the management were like, that for me, that's like, that's pedophile culture in a way. It's like how can we make the most out of this Christian virtuous girl because it it almost like makes the taboo more, yeah, higher Mm -hmm. or more, I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know what I mean? Like totally. in hindsight, it's the grossest thing. And as a teen, I was like, I think I, obviously I didn't have any literacy of this kind of topic. So I was kind of like, oh, well, if she says she's a goddamn virgin, of course she's a virgin. Why would she yeah, lie exactly. about that? You know what I yeah. mean? You're, you're so naive as a kid. Yeah, um, and it's just even, it's just the question, the fact that it was even a topic. Yeah, why are we talking about her virginity? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh dear, poor girl. Anyway, so fascinating. I mean, I would just, if you're if you're kind of having a, a rainy weekend, I, like we are in Berlin. Will you cry? <laughs> um... I don't think you'll cry, okay, but good. you will feel you will feel bad for her okay. in a big way. Um, but you know, like she cries a couple of times in it, Ugh. in like interviews. And I'm stuff, a proxy crier, so I'll skip you might that cry. One yeah, for today. you might cry. Yeah. Um, this anyway, reminds yeah, so me just, of uh, have you? So you haven't watched Succession, have you? No, 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 no. So Succession is. Um, I just binged the whole thing in about a week. I was like, oh my god, this is really good. 
there's two seasons um, and it's mm-hmm. about a really, really like um, what you would call ultra wealthy family. So they're sort mm-hmm. of owning billions of dollars. They're owning billions of dollars. <laughs> they're fucking rich, okay? They're so fucking rich. They're the owners they're of the billions of dollars. Yeah. And uh, basically it's great because like uh, I think something you'd learn as you grow older is like when you're young, you're like, I want to be ultra rich and I want to be Britney Spears. And then yeah. when you get older, you're like, oh, it's not at all what it looks like. It looks pretty miserable actually. Um, totally. But there's this scene where the the father figure gets a, a present from one of his daughters and it's like this bound book. And he's flipping through the book and he's like, oh, these are really lovely houses. And she's like, dad, these are your houses. These are, Don't you remember the summer in the Hamptons? And he's forgotten which houses he has. He doesn't oh trust anyone. His only yeah. focus is on the empire and all the kids are miserable. So it's like um, it's, it's a good reassurance that your little life is actually just fine. <laughs> totally. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so speaking of, by the way, are we wrapped up on Britney? Literally yes, yes. and figuratively. <laughs> yes. That's um, a wrap. Okay, good. So my culture topic is I thought I'd bring you a few things that I have stupidly bought or paid money for so you don't have to. <laughs> okay, so. Love this. Because I used to be a shopaholic. I'm reformed. Um, and I used to, obviously, we talked about $90 and to candles. Don't worry, that's not a price point I don't think I've ever hit. But um, I thought I'd just share with you a few things so you just don't ever get suckered into this trap. So number one, luxury basics. Okay, so anytime Mm. someone tries to get you to pay $150 for a T-shirt, laugh in their face and run because the $150 T-shirt is exactly the same as an H&M one for $3.99, except that maybe... <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't say that, but I would like, I mean, I know. Not exactly I've, I've, the same, but we'll bring you yeah. the same amount of joy. Yeah. Okay. I really like Uniqlo for basics if we're talking about, like, I know that that's not what we're talking about, but I think they have high quality, like, because H&M, you wash the thing once and it's like, it's falling off the seat. You know what I mean? There's like holes in it everywhere. Okay, fine. Um, anyways, so, th- but, but I agree, $150 for a t-shirt. $150 for a t-shirt or something. Isn't that from a song? You know? Maybe. Like but from that song. Um, anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have actually ever paid $150 for a t-shirt, but I remember paying $90 for a t-shirt and I tucked it into my jeans. And then when I went to the bathroom, there was two holes in it. And I was like, okay, oh. I, I feel I deserve that shame. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. I only have myself to blame. Darn tootin'. And then number two... Yeah is hair conditioner. So I am like, I really believe in getting a good quality shampoo. It is better. But if you can get like a flippin' drugstore conditioner, get it. It's fine. I disagree. Really? (laughs) Oh my God, this is a hot topic. So I recently discovered, uh, okay, so I'm just going to say it in all the ways that I think could be possible Uh ways of pronouncing Uh it. Divine, Davines, Daviness, Davines, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's some Italian brand of, um, of hair care products. Of hair care products. And I, and I, the conditioner is out of this world. Okay. It is 20, it's 20 euros. I feel like that's okay. Yeah. 
I mean, like that conditioner it, it lasts is me months, good, months. But is because they have like a perfect. They have good conditioners at the. I actually yeah, okay. Like, okay. Okay. But um, fair enough. Anyway, and then my personal right. third one is like really fancy active wear, but that's because I always buy it and never use it. <laughs> See, I disagree again. <laughs> <laughs> I love high quality active wear. Like if you if you like, I mean, I've I have it all, right? I have HM stuff and I also have like Lululemon and then there's like Aloe Yoga, which is this American brand or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and I find when I have the the high quality stuff, I find lasts me years. Like I buy pants and maybe, yes, they're a hundred bucks, but they, they I have them for literally five to six years before I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, they look a little, you know, and I'm washing them constantly. Whereas when I buy H&M stuff, it just doesn't last. It, and it looks, it just doesn't fit. Anyways, so I'm a big high quality active wear. That's also maybe because you exercise. I do That's have true. a pair of Nike <laughs> leggings that I got from for free from Nike when we did that talk. Nike. Sorry, Nike. God, how could I forget that? Um, <laughs> and they are, they're really good, but they, that's, yeah, that's a different issue. And then two <laughs> things that you should always spend money on, in my opinion, are the real Post-it brand Post-its. Yes. Am I right? Yes. Can I yes. get that? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, the other ones that's are it. just garbage. And then I think like, I think buy the good seats on EasyJet. Like just add a yes. couple of bucks so that you can just swan on and swan off right at the front. Get your bags on. That's a great point. Like just Look, on budget airlines. Yeah. Just, just throw cash your seat, at If them. you can. You know, if you if you if you've got the, you know, but the thing is, think about it, right? So it's like it's 10 bucks or whatever, or maybe it's more like 20 bucks to upgrade your seat. And it's like, you know, you're gonna end up like, what is that tw- like I always think about this as like, okay, 20 bucks buys me like five coffees or whatever, you know? And I'm like, am I willing to, you know what I mean? Because I know that sometimes it's like 20 bucks isn't just 20 bucks to, mm. it might be actually a substantial amount of money. So I'm just, you know, if you can afford it. This may I'm be a you, wildly man. insensitive conversation. We hope not. But if it is, yeah. we acknowledge that. Lifestyle. Okay, for our lifestyle section, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about my life. Just kidding. I um. <laughs> I just wanted to share something that I think I've been talking with a few people about this recently and it's really hit home for a lot of people. So I thought, perfect. I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. So um, recently, like last week, I guess, this all kind of came to a head. I was really having a couple of like tough days um, and for no reason other than my inner thoughts, right? My inner thoughts were really getting to me. So I started, um, I was really kind of um, feeling quite anxious, feeling like I was a bit, like I was inadequate, not doing enough, um, whatever. And all of this, you know, ended up coming to a head in, in the sense that it was like, I started to really like question, you know, whether I was on the right track and like all these things, right? And I was really like upset and I was like not sleeping very well. Then I kind of realized, like, I had been spending over the last few weeks a lot of time on social media, like mm. a lot, right? More than usual. I already spend a lot of time on social media because it's for my work, but um, I had been kind of like doubling down on how often I was on there posting, you know, resp- just the whole shabam, right? And um, I was talking to Penny actually about this and just saying like, God, whatever. And she was like, honestly, I really think you should take like a a significant break this weekend from social media. And I was like, you're right. I'm going to do that. Um, And I took the break from Friday till Monday. So the full like three days. Didn't open it. Um, Nice one. And it's it's hilarious how it's just like, like a charm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and all of a sudden I felt like, 
you know, you start to see things clearly because you start to, you're not on your phone looking at other people's lives mm. and you're looking at your own life and you're, th- you're seeing like, oh, I have, you know, I'm really proud of this or I have this happening and I'm really happy with this part of my life. And you start to just see things through an actual— The real world. The real world, not through this social media lens. Mm. And I'm just saying, if you're at all feeling this, these kind of pains, or if it's getting to you, just take a quick break. And I'm not saying, like, cancel social media 100%, because for me, I can't do that. And I understand for a lot of people, they get inspiration. They feel, you know, that's how they kind of communicate. Um, But just taking these breaks is super important. And another thing, if you're finding yourself— just comparing yourself to others. Mm. So I did a bit of, kind of a a bit of a research uh, around this topic, um, you know, and why it's so dangerous to be doing this. Um, But everybody does it. So I just think that this is kind of, there's, there's a couple of reminders here. So first of all, these are reminders of why you shouldn't compare yourself to others. Mm -hmm. Not that that's going to help you not do it, but I'm just saying these are kind of good ones. When you start doing it, to think of these things. Mm -hmm. So firstly, Remember, of course, that you already know this, but remember that social media is lying to you, right? <laughs> it's a it's a lie. Well, all these, you know, the the visuals, the things that people are putting out there, it's not the real truth. It's part of the truth for sure, but you're not getting the whole picture. So social media is a big fat liar. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, I think it's really important because I think this is something that we don't consider. It's like, the thing that you're looking at and the thing that you're wishing you had for yourself or the person that you're wishing you were more like, do you actually, like, do you actually wish that? Like, are they, is that actually what you want? If you really stop to think about it and you said, you know, is it? Because if it is, that's fine. But usually for you, it probably isn't what you actually want. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of like, uh, remember many, many, many episodes we talked about investigating envy? um, Yes. And how you should make three columns and be like, okay, I'm really jealous of Brittany. What is it that she has that I want? Mm -hmm. What is it she has that I don't want? Mm -hmm. Um, And what, I think there's another column. I can't remember what it is. Um, And what does that mean for me, basically? So I think for, like, for example, I sometimes feel, honestly, I feel I'm envious of Brittany because she has, she gets a lot of recognition but what I don't want is to have to use social media at all or put myself out there at all. So <laughs> so um, yeah. I, that means in for what that means for me is that I have to get recognition in another way or accept that I will get a different kind of recognition. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes so much sense. And that's exactly right. And that's all about like, if you're looking at someone and you're, you're thinking, God, I want to be more like them or I want what they have, um, it's a really, it's actually a really terrible way to kind of like chase a dream yeah. because you're chasing someone else's dream, yeah. right? Oh, like it's so like true, right? Like why don't you think like more is that like much better or easier or um, uh, you'll get a lot more validation and feel much better about it if you're actually just chasing your dream yeah. based on what you want, your values, and who you are. And, you know, and that that process of chasing an authentic dream. It's actually like a beautiful process where you stop thinking yeah. about the outcome. You start thinking yeah. about how you're enjoying the journey and the the tasks and you get really passionate. But that's only if it's an authentic dream, not if you're just chasing someone else's success. 
Exactly. Exactly. And then there's all, of course, the other sides of it, like where you don't know what their background is. Penny reminded me of this the other day. Mm. You don't know what their background is, what, you know, the kind of support system that they have. Um, You never know where they even started from, right? Like, and that's just, it's just, you're not coming from the same place. So there's no reason to compare yourself Mm. to that person. Mm. Um, And it's actually, yeah, it's just demotivating because, because again, you're chasing someone else's dream and not your own. So, Anyway, just thought I would, you know, quick reminder about that. And I think you made such a great point there, Penny, about really thinking about it in terms of what you actually want and what you don't want. Mm. Um, and then also, like, there's two things that you that, I, that I'm trying to do now when I find myself having those feelings of, like, pain of, you know, being, whether it's, yeah, envy, jealousy, whatever, mm. um, is one is trying to instead focus that energy into being happy for the person, right? Yeah. So it's like, Am I envious? No, I feel really, I'm happy for this person. That's so great Mm. that they're succeeding in what they want to do. And then the other thing is like, what can I learn from them? Instead of thinking, how can I be like them? It's like, what can I learn from them? Um, You know, that's what I'm, so that's my whole mindset around that right now. Yeah. And when I say I'm envious of you, it's in a good way. It's like, I know how hard you work and I know how much you deserve all of your success. So I'm like, great. But I mean, like, that's, no, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I think this brings up a really interesting topic, which is I think that I've been talking to a lot of people lately and I think this also sort of like ties back to like romantic relationships where, you know, when you're talking to a, a girlfriend or a, or a guy friend um, and they're talking about their relationship and how it's not going so well and then you're kind of like, what do you want? And they're like, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And then they go back to complaining about the the boyfriend or girl, girlfriend that they're with. And you're like, no, no, but what do you want? What do you want? What do you yeah. want? And it's like people are so disconnected with what they actually want because that's so true. Because society is just, it's, it's always telling you what you want, right? Like when you're a girl, it's like you want to get married and you want to get married to a handsome man and you want to be beautiful and you want everyone to tell you you're beautiful. And when you're mm-hmm. a guy, it's like you want to be this amazing provider and breadwinner um, who's like totally. on in Forbes magazine or something. So and and yeah. like uh, and then you know the sort of uh, social media and so on has created more things to want uh, or ways to, for people to be told what they want. So oh my god, yes. So yeah, I mean, like if I could impart any advice, it's always to like really just close your eyes and scale back and say, what is it that I truly want that yeah. is just for me that isn't according to anything else? The end. It's like the it's like <laughs> the famous scene from the notebook. What do you want? Oh, I've never right? seen it. What? I know. Have you not seen The Notebook? Yeah, yeah. Like you've never seen the movie The Notebook? I've never seen the movie The Notebook. Because I just— I mean, I can't believe that that's true. Well, first of all— You have to watch that this weekend. This is the perfect rainy day weekend movie. Is it good though? It looks stupid to me. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so good. Do you cry? I haven't seen it in years though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I'm, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but I'm really avoiding avoiding crying at the moment. It's not my hobby. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Maybe you'll, like, you probably will cry, but it's, it's more of a happy cry, I would say, at the end. Okay. Okay. Because it's not like, you know, yeah. All right. That's something to look forward to. Yeah. You have to watch this movie. Okay. All right. And then think about the scene where he's like, what do you want? It's got Ryan Gosling in it, right? 
Yeah, and, and Rachel McAdams I, for the love of Pete. I see, I hate her, but I love him. What? Yeah, yeah I hate Okay, her. Penny, I think we have to cancel our friendship. <laughs> She's Regina George. I just know that who, that's who she is in real life. Do you think? Yes. No? She's a great actress. <laughs> okay. All right. Now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll watch it. So we recently got a question from a listener about moving overseas and her concern was that yeah. she um, is over 30 and she feels like she's missed the boat, which is honestly my favorite topic because I miss boats all the time and I scramble. <laughs> I swim. I jump out off the pier. Right. I swim to the yeah. boat and I get on it and everyone's like, honey, you've missed it. And I'm like, too bad. That's your opinion. What is this boat anyway? Exactly. <laughs> Where is this boat even going? Love, um, love taking a metaphor just a step too far. Just a bit, yeah. No, this is such a, it's a, it is a really good topic. And when she asked it, I felt like this is probably exactly how I would feel as well. Because she really was interested. It wasn't even just um, overseas. She was actually interested in moving to Berlin specifically. Yes. Um, and so I think that's interesting as well because Berlin is sort of a young person's uh, heaven. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. A hundred percent. And actually, now that I think about it, this ties perfectly into what do you want? What do you want? Because like, yeah. I <laughs> flipping, I'm like, you haven't mentioned, I mean, sorry, that sounded very attacky, but like she didn't mention <laughs> why she wanted to move to Berlin. Um, yes. and so I think that's a crucial question. So many people move overseas to run away. And sometimes mm. that works and sometimes it it doesn't because, again, wherever you are, there you are or however the saying goes. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, I feel like I moved overseas for the right reasons. <laughs> I'm, like, gloating about how smart I was yeah. to move overseas. But um, I did it when I was 32 or 33. Um, I wasn't happy in my home just because I was, like, I've never really feel, felt like – my values align with the way that this city runs itself. So like I'm from Sydney, getting married mm. is a big thing there, getting a big house is a big thing there and I just never cared about any of those things. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not saying like people actually care about those things there but it's a it's a thing. Like everyone I know is yeah. married pretty much if they, if they want to be. Um, mm. uh, and so I moved here when I was over 30 it is definitely, you know, like you can't get a working holiday visa. So it's harder in terms of getting set up and maybe in mm-hmm. terms of adjusting emotionally if it's your first time moving overseas. But mm-hmm. for me, it was better to move overseas later in my life than earlier. And this is why, because I had fully established my career in Sydney, my career, sorry. Um, so it wasn't an issue getting a job or going freelance once I got here because I was like, I know exactly what I do. I've got a good resume on to, to show. Um, and so in that way, it was super easy. Um, I think that's such a great point, actually, because I moved here when I was 25 or 24. Whoa. And yeah, and I had nothing mm. going on. Like, I, you know, I was just kicking off my career. I kind of graduated from university a bit later. Like, I went back to university after. But um, so I graduated a bit late. So I had only had like a couple of years of work under my belt. Mm. And so I didn't really have much going on. So when I got here, it was a whole scramble. And it really took quite a bit of time to get into my career and to figure out what I was doing. And I wasn't, uh, because I was so young um, and also surrounded by people who were in that same space, you know, you didn't 
it was very, it was very, very hard in Berlin to do that because, you know, I didn't have any kind of real support system outside of my like immediate little friend zone. Yeah, that you made it like kind of struggling class or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, you don't right? have a network of like, exactly. you know, uh, cousins or, I mean, not that that ever yeah. helped me in Sydney, but. But just like people that you've worked with, older people that you, you know, whatever, like you just don't have that at mm. all when you move at that age. So I think that's an excellent, excellent point and a good, a good reason to consider it when you're older. Yeah older when you're in your 30s. Yeah. I had a lot of friends that moved overseas when they were like 24, 25, 26. And then they came Mm -hmm. back a few years later and actually like kind of fucked them over because it was kind of like they'd set up a bit of a career in Sydney and then they moved overseas and they had a bit of a career and then they moved back and it was more disruptive Mm. than anything. So Mm -hmm. I think that there are huge perks to like really getting your shit together and then moving even though yeah, um, like – it's harder to do yeah, though. From bureaucratic perspective, no one's expecting people in their mid-30s to move anywhere because that's typically where you like settle down and have a flipping baby. So true. So, that's so yeah. true. Yeah. Um, and also it's like, but it's also harder it mentally as well because you have established yourself somewhere. Yeah. You might even have, you might even own things. Yeah. Like a car and, and shit, you know. So moving at that stage is much harder. For me, it was very easy. Mm. You know, I was like, I'm renting a thing, whatever, and I don't really have much going on. I sold my car yeah, and then I left. That's true. I didn't really, yeah. That's so true. So, yeah, I had to, like, I, when I went home last time, I had to, like, sell my fridge, sell my washing machine, sell my television because yeah. I wasn't sure how exactly. long I'd be here. So, like, you do have to set up a life twice to some extent, which is kind exactly. of a pain in the ass, but you'll get there in the end. So, like, from a life pers- life admin perspective, it's for sure harder from a work mm-hmm. perspective, it's easier. And in some ways, like when you're set up work-wise, you have more disposable income to throw money at the life admin situation. Although I have to say like that doesn't really do much in Germany. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. um, I also think it makes a difference where you're coming from when you move overseas. So like uh, mm-hmm. I had a friend from London that um, moved to Berlin and he did make a huge deal of it. He was like, wrote this ex, a huge like Facebook post. He's like, after my whole life in London, I'm moving to Berlin, blah, blah, blah. It's a lifelong dream for me. And then of course, you know, he could just fly home anytime his friends had like a <laughs> wedding or something. And I'm like, yeah. this is hilarious to me because for me, it takes 24 hours at an absolute minimum to get home. So it's like a huge deal for me to, not a huge deal, mm-hmm. but it's a much bigger thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, I wish it took an hour on a, on a I flight know, to home. But also awesome. I kind of don't. Like I like that it's uh, – I like that there is real distance because I think that gives everything a different perspective in a way. But mm-hmm. then, of course, if mm-hmm. I could teleport, that would be a different thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do-do-do-do-do. What about friends though? I feel like oh, yeah. in your 30s moving here, it, would be, it wouldn't be easy to make friends. Yeah. So basically I, I have this in my notes. Um, if you've never had to kind of aggressively go out and make friends before, so if you've never moved cities before or you've never changed schools or you've had the same friends since you're in a baby, then that might be a new challenge for you and you should be aware of that. And you need to be aware of the fact that like, you're going to have to do things. You're going to have to bit of have a bit of a plan. Don't expect that mm-hmm. because remember in Emily in Paris that people just like 
friends just come over to her and sit down next to her and they're like, oh my God, you're American. That's so fun. Let's be best friends. Like that does Hilarious. not happen ever. Not. You no. have to go out. Especially not in Berlin. Oh God, no. <laughs> People in Berlin, because especially Germans are kind of like, ah, oh, yet another tri- like expat moving oh, here. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you aren't going to be like welcomed with open arms. No, let's just no, say. No, you're not. You know, you're going to have to really shoehorn your way in yeah, here. Yeah. But know? also like, well, I mean, like it's not hard with other expats. That's a good thing. No, that's right. That's right. So yeah, yeah I mean, like just be aware of it and just know that like you're going to probably have to like join a German class and um, maybe find, I, I would get a job right away if possible. Don't think you're going to go freelance and make loads of friends that way, or at least no. join a co-working space or something like have a Ooh, co-working space. Yeah. Have a little plan for like how exactly you're going to make some friends. And like, mm-hmm. if you're an, uh, an introvert, then maybe think of a new, co- a couple of conversation starters or a, a few ways to really jump in. <laughs> I've, I mean, like my, I know this all sounds negative, but I just think that like, um, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I was talking about the idea that there's some things in life where people are like, yeah, just do it. Like, just write the book, start the business, do this, do that. Mm. I think this sometimes falls into that category um, and it shouldn't. I think it's a major no. life decision and it could cost you a lot of money and that's really important to, to acknowledge mm-hmm. that money is it's a crucial mental health pillar. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You really need to commit to it. Like that's the thing that I found when I moved. I was so committed to living yeah, here. Me too. And you have to and you have to really commit to it for like a quite a substantial amount of time so that then to give yourself the time to kind of feel situated. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Like I even came over um with a couple of people, like, it's a long story, but basically I was part of a little clan. It was like me and these two other people who were from North America. <laughs> a clan. And I was so, is that weird? No, I love it. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> I was so committed to living here and they weren't as committed. You know what I mean? It was very obvious. You know, I was like pounding the pavement, trying to find a job, yeah. trying to find like, you know, people, anybody who would hire me, trying to get my friggin' visa sorted. I was doing all the things I was like constantly doing. And they were just kind of, they were they were there for kind of the adventure side yeah. of it, but they weren't there for like the, the commitment. Yeah. And you really do have to commit. Yeah. So, I mean, do it, but do it with yeah. a plan and commit. That's, that's our plan. advice. And that's like, that's full 30 in your 30s advice, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, get a plan together. Oh, I okay? know. I, I love how <laughs> Don't like- just willy-nilly. I love how unromantic we are about things. We're like, yeah, just be you know. very realistic. We're like the mums you never had. <laughs> yeah. The young mums. Be real. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Young mums. Yeah. Without, Without kids. kids. Yeah. <laughs> everybody for listening to our little episode here where we explored a, a wide variety of topics, yeah, I have to gave say. gave it a wide berth. We went well over an hour because yes. we missed last week, but that was my fault. I'm sorry, everyone. There you <laughs> go, right? So we gave you a little, uh, what like Penny likes to call it, a bumper episode. It's a bumper. Could we, could we call it a bumper? Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's over an hour. Okay. It's two whole minutes over an hour. Holy macaroni. <laughs> Basically um, Joe Rogan. S- right? Let me tell you what I think about apple juice. Ugh. Just kidding. I don't know. By the way, can I just oh, say, I Justin Timberlake is married to Jessica Biel and she is an anti-vaxxer. Did you know that? No. Yeah, she is. She's like, she's starting to come. 
come out as a bit of an anti-vaxxer. Jessica Peel's an anti-vaxxer. Of course she is. She's a dope, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. She's got great teeth, though. Anyway. Beautiful teeth. Uh, <laughs> Gorgeous teeth. Yeah. Gorgeous mouth. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, what do we always say, Penny? What? Just don't be a dick. Well, don't be a dick, by golly. For the love of Pete. <laughs> Pete is my dad. So if you love my dad, Pete, then don't Aww. be a dick. Don't be a dick. Bye, everybody. Bye.